0: Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go in to The Breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial. Serving the New York City metropolitan area, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith, please be sure to download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app so that no matter where you are in America or any place in the world, you can hear not only our show, but all the content that's available at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. And if you want to give some feedback, VeritasCatholic.com, VeritasCatholic.com, that's where you could tell us all what you think of us. Hopefully, it's all good, but either way, be honest, we love the feedback. And finally, if you'd like to Support Joe and I. You could find us on social media at The Frontline TV, The Frontline TV on YouTube, and also our website, TheFrontlineTV.com. TheFrontlineTV.com. So today, um, most of you out there who listen to The Frontline with Joe and Joe know that we have a good relationship uh, with many authors out there, particularly their publishers. And one of those is Ignatius Press. So today, we wanted to talk about a particular book that we think is going to be of interest to you and have on a the marketing and sales director from Ignatius to talk about this book. And the book that we're going to be discussing today uh, is about a very, very popular saint, Padre Pio. The title of the book is Padre Pio. Stories and Memories of My Mentor and Friend, the author of the book, is Father Gabriel Amorth, who was the world's leading exorcist up until the time he passed back in 2016. Very quickly on Father Amorth, as I said, he was born in 1925, and he died just a few years ago in 2016. He was a priest of the Congregation of San Paolo, was the chief exorcist at the Vatican and internationally recognized as the world's foremost Exorcist. He wrote two major books. An Exorcist tells his story and An Exorcist more stories. And we would definitely recommend those because Father Amorth basically has stared down the devil. So I think he's got something to say. Mm-hmm. Anthony Ryan, who is joining us from Ignatius Press, and he's uh, been gracious enough gracious enough to come on the show to discuss this. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about him. Anthony Ryan, Ryan joined the ranks of Ignatius Press in its infancy. In 1981, just a couple of short years after its founding. Since that time, he has been marketing and sales director, although he is also the self-designated dishwasher at times at Ignatius Press offices. Um, When he started, he was told there was only one year of guaranteed work as the um, press was so new and struggling to stay afloat, as many new ventures are. At the time, book sales did not suffice to keep the doors open, and they relied on donations as well. So the situation was very tenuous, to say the least. Ryan himself grew up in St. Paul, Minnesota, one of six children. He attended St. Thomas Military Academy and the University of St. Thomas, both of which are in St. Paul, Minnesota. He also played hockey from grade school all the way through college. And after college, he volunteered with the Franciscan Friars of Marytown for a year before moving on to other things. Anthony Ryan, welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe.
2: Hey, gentlemen. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. I've heard a lot of great things about uh, your show. So uh privilege to be here. And it's uh, really a privilege to talk about the great uh, St. Padre Pio. I mean, the reason they have to listen to me is, of course, Padre Pio is long gone. And as you mentioned, Father Amor, the, a- the author, died in uh, 19 or 2016. So uh, neither of them are with us. So I have the great privilege of uh, representing them today.
0: Absolutely. And we thank you very much, Anthony. Ryan, with that, I'm going to hand it over to Joe Resinello.
1: Tony, we always start with the prayer because all good things start with the prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who sought your help you. or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly into you, a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, before you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency, hear and answer us, amen. Saint Padre the- Pio, pray
3: for pray us. For us. <laughs>
1: Tony, before we get into the book, let's talk a little bit about Ignatius Press. I mean, I know a bit about it. I know Joe Fazio. Uh, he started it, the Jesuit. Uh, he, he has an engineering background. Um, like, why did he start it? I mean, like, you know, I I, I was educated by Jesuits. I went to Scranton University. And, uh, you know, what what was the, you know, the spark that said, "You know something? This is what I got to do," because I do know that he mentored under Benedict the Sixteenth. He studied, I believe, philosophy nice. in Germany. Um, give us a little background because yeah, I think a, it's a yeah, great story.
2: Yeah, it is a great story. Thanks for asking. Uh, so, Father Joseph fessio went to Europe as a young Jesuit to get his PhD. Uh, he was sent there by the Jesuits. He was there six years. And during those six years, he studied under three of the greatest theologians of the 20th century and maybe in the history of the church. So he had this great privilege of studying. His his personal mentor was Henry de Lubach, the great Jesuit theologian. And then de Lubach steered him to a young theologian priest, Joseph Ratzinger, at Regensburg to study directly under him. So he went to study under Ratzinger, who became Pope Benedict XVI, as you say. And then Ratzinger uh, directed him to do a a doctoral thesis on the ecclesiology of the theologian Hans Urs von Balthasar, a Swiss theologian, which Father Fessio did. So he was able to study under those three great men and get familiar with them personally, but also their writings. And he realized when he came back after finishing his doctorate six years later... That their works were not very much available in English, so and he understood how important they were. So his his goal was to start a publishing house to make, especially their works, available in English. And a fourth person, a, a woman named Adrian von Speyer. Adrian von Speyer was a, a convert to Catholicism. She was a Swiss medical doctor. Uh, she uh, was a spirit under the spiritual direction of Hans Urs von Balthasar. She met him, and and uh, and he brought her into the church and became her confessor. And it turned out that she was a mystic and Balthazar uh, witnessed a lot of her mystical um, experiences and also uh, kind of uh, took her dissertations and helped her kind of write all the things that she experienced. So um, he told Father Fessio, she was dead by the time he went to study in Europe, Father Fessio, but uh, she had a lot of writings by then. And Balthazar told Father Fessio, you know, your idea of going back to America to start a publishing house is a good one. But if you have to choose between her writings and mine, choose her. They're more important than mine. So that's how important Balthasar felt her writings were and her, her kind of gift to the church. So that was his goal when he came back, to make the writings of those four writers available. And that's what he did. He did it on his own. He didn't do it with the Jesuits. He just raised money on his own and kind of did it on the side. He was a professor at the University of San Francisco. started a great books program there called The Signing System. He was very busy. But you know, this is what great Jesuits do, right? They know how to do things, get things done. So he raised money, founded translators, found people to help him, started making these works available in English. None of them were going to be moneymakers. I mean, you know, who's going to be reading Joseph Ratzinger back in the 70s, right? Or Hansers von Balthasar. He knew that. So he had to raise money uh, to just keep everything going. And so then when I came, when I when I when he hired me in 1981, so that was three years later. You know he had five or six books in print but things were growing and he needed someone to help him and as you said it guaranteed me a year at the most because everything was about raising money to keep the place going they weren't making any money and by the grace of god here we are 44 years later uh you know we're publishing everything now from coloring books i say to uh you know joseph Ratzinger and everything in between well that's great Go you know ahead, it's John's funny art.
1: you talked about great jesuits because i knew one in india father Lawrence abello he formed probably half of the missionaries of charity he wrote what a lot of people don't know he penned mother teresa's speech at the prayer breakfast he wrote it himself um Mm. and arguably he was the smartest man i've ever met Mm. and he did not get into the program that fessio did he told me he was from canon that's why i bring this up because Mm. he is a special person, clearly from an intellectual perspective, because I have right. never met a smarter man than a bello. Like yeah. he had a PhD in physics and philosophy. He wrote, right. he spoke, he spoke seven languages. I mean, yeah. he had patents and he didn't get into that program. So Obviously, God chose him to do something very special.
2: Well, I mean, you know, yeah, you know, God has a reason, a purpose for everybody. Father Fessi obviously was called to do this, to come back to America and do the great work he's done, which we've needed in this country so badly. But you know, you, a great Jesuit, you can't beat them. I mean, they can also be like, they can be like Satan. They, can, sorry, they can either. be- uh, No, no, no.
1: I get it. I get it. And, and I'm greater, glad they you can said be that. Terrible.
2: You know, they can be either great or terrible. There's a lot of terrible ones now, but the ones who are true. I think they're the best. I mean, St. nasus of Loyola, you know, what he did in founding the Jesuits, they are like the SWAT troops of the church, as we know. That's what they're supposed to be. That's why they're brilliant, they're well-educated, and they, when they are true to their charism, they do great work for the church.
1: And I'm glad Obviously, you said that, because ahead, that is so true. Like, yeah. so many people, especially in the conservative, quote-unquote, Catholic world, don't understand that, and I didn't understand that until I met Father Lawrence Abello in India, who was like a pro-life, like Titan, lived in India. I've never seen a man embrace poverty and a detachment to material like life, like him. I mean, they are a force. and, And that is true when they're on you cannot touch the okay,
2: So, so anyway, so that's Father Festus, So the back to Ignatius Press. So he's a great Jesuit. He studied under a great Jesuit, Henry de Lubac, and he wanted to just be a true son of saving Ignatius of Loyola. That's his goal. And so it, I say everyone, I tell everyone, look, the only way you can explain how we succeeded, because we should not have even been around anymore. I mean, you're publishing the works of great theologians in the 70s and 80s is because we had a true son of the church, a true faithful Jesuit son of the church, who only wanted to obey the church and live out his Jesuit vocation, and God rewarded him. He blessed him. I mean, you look at the work of Ignatius, I can't explain it. I mean, it's unbelievable how successful we've been. And that's the reason we had a great Jesuit as our founder. Go ahead, Joe, you want to say Andy,
0: something? No, no, that's all right. Anthony Ryan joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe. And you know, we're going way in the breach because we're going to be talking about, um, is this a recent, when was this book actually written, Anthony? Just so just so I'm, uh, I'm, we're all clear on that.
2: Well, so it, it was written originally in, in Italy before Father uh, Amor died. So I think it was actually right before he died. So the original edition was in Italian in Italy. And I think it came out like the year before he died. So he died in 2016. Might have even come out the year that he died. And then we got the manuscript uh, probably a year or two later. And we looked at it. And it takes a while for us to look at these because it's in Italian. We have to Mm -hmm. read read the thing, of course. And we don't just publish things. we were very careful about what we publish, especially foreign manuscripts. So that takes a while. Uh, And then we published it last year. So we published the English Language Edition in the fall of 2021.
0: Okay, so for a very very recent uh, publication from Ignatius Press, and the book for all of you, for all of you just joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe is Padre Pio: Stories and Memories of My Mentor and Friend. The author of the book is Father Gabriel Amorth. So now, here, Anthony, let me ask you this: Let's get into the um, the book a little bit. Let's start with the late Father Amorth, uh, well known as I mentioned earlier as an exorcist. He had a two over two decade very close friendship with Padre Pio. Um, It's interesting, because I wasn't being cheeky earlier. These two men stared down the devil, okay? Not an easy task. And they were friends for a a good long time. How did that relationship start and develop?
2: Yeah, so uh, they were friends for 26 years. So what happened was was when Father Amorth was a young priest, like many people, he went to San Giovanni Rotondo. He wanted to meet this great Padre Pio. And he went there with a friend uh, who had been there before. And uh, so he had a chance to meet Padre Pio. It was very um, kind of a small, uh, he didn't have a lot, Padre Pio was very busy. Lots of people, as you know, wanted to see him and go to confession all that, but he did have an encounter with Padre Pio and um, spoke with him and went to confession to him and asked for advice. And Padre Pio gave him some advice, but he said he wasn't, uh, you know, like a lot of people, he was looking for something extraordinary from Padre Pio. And that's kind of a you know, he said it was my fault. Padre Pio gave him good advice, but he said it was kind of the advice that a good priest would you get from any good priest. But he said, I realized later I came with the wrong approach. I was looking for some extraordinary whatever he said. But and I realized later it was good for me to have that first experience because then I realized, you know, I have to go back and keep uh, meeting with him to kind of become a, you know, a, a spiritual son of his. He wanted to become a spiritual son. So he kept going back for visits. And they developed a friendship, a deep friendship, as, as uh, Amorth grew in his own vocation as a priest and then as an exorcist. And uh, it, it, you can tell in reading the book that they had a really great relationship and it was fun. They had a lot of good times talking together and, and you know, stories and, and humor and all that. But so that's kind of it. And so Amorth brings that perspective to the life of Padre Pio that you don't get in other books. They, uh, one from a personal friendship, number one, a long personal friendship. And then two, as a spiritual son of Padre Pio, not just a friend. And then number three, you know, he's a famous exorcist, and you have this incredible famous stigmatic priest. So it's, there's a lot of interesting things in this book.
1: You know, it's funny. I, I didn't know that much about Father Gabriel Morth, and I saw a video. And uh, before, like, I even knew about him. And I'm watching the video, and it was a bunch of Italians in, in, in an apartment. And I'm Italian. I, you know, I grew up. My family's from Newark. You know, like and the mannerisms of everyone I was watching with my wife, who's Haitian American. And I said, these people are Italian because they're <laughs> crazy. Like I could see like in the room, I was just like, this could be my cousins. Like they're crazy. And Father Gabriel Morth, which made me laugh when he would begin an exorcist. People can't see me on Zoom right now. This is what he would do. He would taunt the devil. He would go like this with his finger on his nose. That's how he would begin the exorcism. I was like, this man's insane. I'm like this guy, like everything about it. I was just like, oh my Lord, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. With that said though, very serious subject matter. The devil is real, exorcisms are real, but that's how he began his exorcisms. He would taunt the devil.
2: Yeah, he actually wrote a, he wrote a a article or something called the devil is afraid of me. <laughs> you know, because he was fearless when it came to dealing with the devil, because he knew he had the power, the grace of God as a as a priest and as an exorcist to uh, to deal with the devil. So uh, you know, he 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 was fearless in that regard, and and uh, you know, he he became the world's most famous exorcist and the Vatican's foremost exorcist. And uh, you know, he uh, actually trained other exorcists. Uh, and one uh, who we have a blurb from in the back of the book, Father Gary Thomas exorcist for the diocese of san jose out here was actually a book was written about him uh called the right and then they made a movie about it starring anthony hopkins i don't know if you're Mm -hmm. that but so he was a student of uh, father gabriel amorth father thomas he was sent by the his uh, bishop to be uh, get trained as an exorcist and his one of his teachers at least was father amorth so i mean this is part of what father amorth did was he trained other exorcists besides doing countless exorcisms himself so he he and padre pio had this uh, thing in common where they both battled Satan in different ways. Padre Pio a lot of times physically, but both they were—they both their their lives were battling Satan.
0: Yeah, it's a—it's amazing. I was thinking that when when Joe mentioned that uh, that way that you know Father Amorth you know flipped off Satan at this. At this exorcism in uh, in Italy, I remember watching it myself. I was saying, "Man, it's a bunch of crazy Italians there. It's like all the old ladies." Oh, yes. Witnessing this, but, but but what struck me, and and I'm going I'm going someplace a, a bit more serious than that. Um, it seems to me that, and I want you to talk more, Anthony, if you would, about Padre Pio, uh, but also about Father Amorth. It seems like there's a tremendous amount of humility there um, that would enable. See, you can't do that to the devil unless, as you said. You're humble enough to know that I'm not fighting this fight. It's God fighting this fight. Talk about the necessity of humility that both these men had a tremendous, tremendous amount of.
2: Absolutely, I mean, as we know, if you're gonna be a saint, you need the virtue of humility, especially. I mean, that's one of the key virtues. And when you read this book about Padre Pio, you see how humble he was. For all the gifts that he had, it was extraordinarily humble. And Father Amorth was the same way. I mean, we, you know, this book is not so much about Father Amorth, so we don't learn a lot about him. But, uh, but as you say, there's enough in this book, and then if you read his other books, you find out that he's a very humble man as well. Because, as you say, they realized that the, those weren't about them; was about the gifts that God gave them, the grace that God gave them, the vocation that God gave them. The strength that god gave them to do their work you know and they were both in the trenches fighting satan and and, and the, of course they were you have to be humble to do that otherwise you're not going to last so it, it's clear throughout this book that one of the great virtues of padre pio was his humility it's beautiful to see it in there because we can talk about this you know padre pio when you when you read about him at first you're just overwhelmed by the guy because all the gifts he had are, are so extraordinary that it's hard for us to relate to him as a human being, and that's the beauty of this book, and again, we talk more about that, but Amorth brings out a lot of the human side of Pottery Pia that he was very human, you know, and uh, a lot of these gifts, he didn't ask for any of them, you know, they just came to him, and he was embarrassed by them, frankly, I mean, he even asked our Lord to take away the visible stigmata, he says, I'm too embarrassing, I'll keep the pain, He said, I'll keep the pain, but just take away the visible stigmata because it's so embarrassing. You know, I I get all this attention. He didn't want the attention. You know, it's the same with uh, the other gifts that he had, but he used them well. And we can talk about those gifts. There's a lot of great stories about bilocation and all that. But humility was at the essence of Padre Pio, for sure. Absolutely. Joe Resinello.
1: You mentioned something before I I wanted to touch upon that, like, Father Gabriel Moore." Went to see him and he found just a normal person who gave him normal advice. And I want to touch on that and blow that out a little bit because holiness is normal. Right. Like I could remember I uh for many years before I got married, I was involved as a lay associate with the CFRs and uh Father uh Francis well Cardinal Francis Arinze came to visit them and you know his famous cardinal at the time. Uh he's from Nigeria, people talk said that he could potentially been the pope well he was talking to some of the novices in the cfrs and a lot of times when like young guys come into a religious order um they have this idea of what holiness is and it's to most sometimes i'm I'm sure you've seen it it's almost exaggerated like i've heard comments on this before and Arinze addressed it and he said do you actually think that that's what holiness is walking around constantly like 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 with, with your hands like this like through the hallways and like that's not what holiness is. Holiness is normal. It's right. it's it's actually the most natural thing a human being can be because we're right. all made to be holy whether you're a priest, whether you're married, whether you're single. Yes. Talk yep. about that because I think that was that's a very important thing that I think people think as what do they say like uh, mother Angelica, don't miss the opportunity. It's for everybody right. sa- saintliness
2: yeah, well, I mean, let's holiness is based on heroic virtue. That's what it is. So, uh, you know, uh Padre Pio wasn't a saint because he had all these gifts. You know, that's not what made him a saint. That could have made him that could have made him a great sinner if he was proud. But holiness is great virtue, right? That's that's what makes a saint. So, uh, as you say, you look at the saints and what the church looks for is heroic virtue. They don't look for gifts. I mean, let's take Saint Thérèse of Lisieux. She's always the perfect example of what you're talking about, right? You look at the life of St. Therese on the outside and she looked as ordinary as could be, right? She did nothing great in the eyes of the world and even some of her nuns, she was very ordinary. And yet at, she died at 24. So like people would say, well, wow, that was kind of a life that was uh, didn't become much. And yet, when but then you find out, no, just the opposite. One great Pope called her the greatest saint of modern times. That's a staggering statement. The Pope that said it was a saint himself, said, Ten. so to your point, Ordinary Holiness is something that's ordinary that we we accomplish in our daily lives by living lives of virtue. Well, Padre Pio did that to a heroic degree, but it wasn't because he had these gifts. It's because of how he used the gifts that he had. And back to your other point that sometimes you read the lives of saints, and they, they seem so unreal, these hagiography works. We can't even identify them with them. They're like Superman out of the out of the, out of the mother's womb or something. No, no, they were human beings, a lot of more sinners who had to convert. But the point is, they were ordinary human beings like us who had to grow in virtue, and just like Padre Pio did. And so, yeah, holiness should be something that ordinary people achieve for sure.
0: Absolutely. Anthony Ryan's joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, we're way in the breach, talking about, the book is titled Padre Pio Stories and Memories of My Mentor and Friend. The book's author is Father Gabriel Amorth and Anthony Ryan is the marketing and sales director for Ignatius Press. I wanna get back to, um, I wanna get back, if you don't mind, Anthony, to humor for a second, okay? Because I think, um, you know, in the the book, it shows uh, that both of these men, Father Amorth and Padre um, Peel, they had this gift that uh, let's say we mentioned the flipping off Satan during an exorcist, but they, were, they used humor in communicating yeah. the message of the gospel to communicate holiness, uh, mimicry, storytelling, things like that. How important is that as a tool that we, that, we, that we should take a lesson from? We can all tend to get a little bit a, a little bit grim nowadays, yeah. particularly in the midst of this spiritual battle that we're in. We have right. to remember. We're a joyful people. Seems yeah. that these two men were very joyful. I'd love for you to talk about that.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, Saint Teresa of Avila said there are no sad saints, right? There's a Saint uh, if, uh, any saint is not sad. There's no such thing as a sad saint. And so, uh, the saints are the most complete people, right? They're the most holistic persons. They're the people that are the most well-rounded, the most full, fully human. And as as Saint Irenaeus said, the glory of God is man fully alive. Well, what does that mean? It's I think part of it is what you're saying that we have to have joy in our lives, and humor is part of that. And uh, Jesus Christ said, I came to give you my joy, that your joy may be complete. We don't hear that enough. And Padre Pio and, and Amor, both in this book, I, that's another kind of unique thing about this book, is throughout the book, uh, you'll see little stories, humorous uh, stories, uh, or even jokes that Padre Pio told. I'm not going to repeat them because I want people to read the book, but he, you know, there's
3: <laughs>
2: jokes that he would tell. And, and Amor said, you know, too often we have these pictures of Padre Pio where he looks always very serious and, and so forth. He said, but the real Padre Pio was was not like that. He was actually very gentle, uh, very joyful, uh, very uh, upbeat, very friendly, very compassionate. Uh, he said, that's the real Padre Pio. And he brings that out, I think, well in the book. You know, And I think that's the beauty of this book is we get to know the real human side of Padre Pio. That the thing that was really appealing to a human being, uh, that he had great love, joy, and compassion. But he also hated sin. You know, he had this great hatred for sin and Satan. And, of course, that was a serious part of his life. So you see this great balance in his life of the joy that you're talking about, the humor, him telling stories, mimicry. He was great at mimicry. There's one jo- one episode in there that uh, how he mimicked the profet- the provincial uh, when he was uh, consoling one of his fellow friars who was being transferred out of San Giovanni Rotondo, who didn't want to go. You know he was very sad. He loved being there, and the provincials told him he was moving, and he came, and was telling the friars uh, at recreation. Center, so Padre Pio started mimicking the the provincial, uh, <laughs> trying to console the guy. It's a pretty funny story. But I mean, the point is, there's a lot of those things in the book that are really fun. that shows you the human side of Padre Pio.
0: And I think you know, I think it's uh, as we were talking about earlier. I think that's it's so important because people are expecting this, you know, like thunder and lightning from heaven when you meet, or, or if you were a person who would have met Padre Pio, and No,
1: no, just a normal guy who's living a holy life. Joe Racinello, we have about two minutes before the break. And I I just want to talk a little bit about like, you know, proclamation of the gospel, because obviously that's what this show is about. That's what the business that you're in at Ignatius Press. I mean, we want to basically proclaim the gospel, but we meditate upon that in the Illuminous Mysteries. It's the third mystery on Thursday, the proclamation of the gospel. I've thought about this, um, Because that's what I do, you know, how best do you proclaim the gospel humor is an effective way. Think about Jesus, it was through parables. It was the he was the greatest teacher of them all. I mean, to communicate a message sometimes you have to be sly in a sense if yeah. you know maybe that's not the right word yeah. but the, the most direct way sometimes doesn't you know catch the catch the gets the person's attention and humor is an effective way parables are also effective could you talk a little bit about that because i mean that's what we do you know what i'm right. saying well, I mean,
2: I'm, well yeah well look at today's gospel for example so it's the story of the woman caught in adultery now that's not a joyous like humorous story but but the point is, uh, look at how Christ handled that. So they catch her in adultery, which is, you know, think about this poor woman. First, she's caught in the act. Second, they bring her out in the public and humiliate her. Third, they're getting ready to stone her. And so what does Jesus do? And, of course, they're putting him on the spot, the Pharisees. They figure they're going to really catch him here on this. And so what does he do? He turns the tables on them. He says, uh, let the first among you, let the one among you who was without sin be cast the first stone. He just completely turned the tables on them. and of course, they recognized, well, we're all sinners, and they walked away. And then he said to the woman, "Is there no one to condemn you?" And she said, "No one, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. That's such a beautiful story. It shows you the compassion of Christ, but how he took an example, he took a situation, and he didn't you know, he did yell and scream at the Pharisees. He just, he just let them see their own, uh, sinfulness. But, but back to your point, I think there are stories in the gospel that are much more, uh, put to your point of where there's joy. Um, you know, there's joy, there's humor and so forth. Christ had a sense of humor. We probably don't see it enough in the gospels, uh, but it's definitely there. And, uh, You know, the fact that he dealt with sinners all the time, I mean, what today was one example, but tax collectors, you know, he had math to become one of his apostles, Zacchaeus is a tax collector that he went and ate with. I mean, there's all kinds of stories of Christ dealing with sinners. That's who he came for. Mm -hmm. That's us, you know, Anthony, (laughs) let me real quick before we go to a
0: break. Let's leave that there for a second. Where could people find out more about Ignatius, all the books available at Ignatius and particularly this book we're talking about today?
2: Sure. Well, first of all, always encourage people to go to their local Catholic bookstore if, if there's one in the area. We want to keep them going. If you don't have a Catholic bookstore, you can go to our website at simplyignatius.com. Very simple, ignatius.com. Or you can call our 800 number, 800 651 1531. When we put the last letters, the year of Our Lady Guadalupe, 1531. So 800 651 1531 is the 800. Website, ignatius.com. Most importantly, though, if you have a Catholic bookstore, buy it from them
0: absolutely all right so we're going to take a quick break the book is Padre Pio stories and memories of my mentor and friend authored by Father Gabriel Amorth we're with Anthony Ryan and we will be right back don't go anywhere
3: Listen to all five of our original Veritas shows. Every Wednesday at noon, you can catch Let Me Be Frank, where Bishop Frank Caggiano talks about spirituality, church news, and fun stories from his Brooklyn childhood and his life. You can hear The Frontline with Joe & Joe every Tuesday and Thursday at noon. Their guests include the biggest names in the Catholic world, and Joe & Joe talks to them from the perspective of the everyday Catholic. Thursday nights at eight o'clock, tune in for the only late night talk show on Catholic media anywhere. It's not that late with Liv Harrison. And at noon on Friday is Restless. It's four millennials talking about, well, life as millennials in today's crazy world. Yes, it's possible to be young and Catholic. Right after that at 1230, you can hear the Focus on Veritas, where we put the focus on good works and the good people doing those works. Those are the five Veritas shows and there's more on the way. Stay up to date at VeritasCatholic.com or on the mobile app.
0: Welcome back, everyone, to The front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. We are way in the breach with Anthony Ryan, the sales and marketing director for Ignatius Press. We're talking about a recent release from Ignatius, which is Padre Pio, Stories and Memories of My Mentor and Friend. The author of the book is Father Gabriel Amorth, who passed away back in 2016. So we're very happy that this book has been translated into English and published by Ignatius Press. With that, I am going to hand it over to Joe Resinello.
1: Tony, you talked about how like uh, Father Amorth went down to uh, see Padre Pio almost to become like a spiritual son. So many people looked to that, uh, you know, way, so to speak, that journey through their faith under the guidance of Padre Pio, not just in Italy all across the world but as Padre Pio was attacked by Satan and he was I've read a number of books on his life I've also seen movies particularly at night in his cell he would be physically assaulted did Father Amorth help him as an exorcist because obviously he grew in that field and that was his field of expertise did the tables sort of turn in, in 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 the terms of the guidance and in their friendship
2: That's a good question. I don't remember that ever being revealed in this book about if he did give him advice as an exorcist. If it was in this book, I don't remember it being in there. And I I did kind of keep my eye out for it. Um, But he may have, uh, unless unless one of you read the book and and caught it that I didn't. But uh, he doesn't ever explicitly talk about uh, giving Padre Pio advice as an exorcist. Uh, Padre Pio gave advice to exorcists. He talks about that. Uh, when they came to him with certain cases even though Padre Pio himself was not an exorcist which is interesting uh, uh but but he battled with the devil and he would he would deliver people from uh, satanic uh possession oftentimes uh, but but, but your, to your question I, I as far as i know that well, that's not revealed in the book that i know of
1: but i would i would imagine they talked about it because they were friends oh, yeah. but but to your yeah. point too <clears throat> you said how Padre Pio would advise exorcists what i have found very holy people have insight. Like, like you know, right. I I've been blessed to know holy people in my life, and right. um, they understand human nature like nobody. Like right. I, you know, like I I've met all types of people in my life, sinners and saints, rich right. and poor. Um, I right. have never met anyone like the missionaries of charity, ever, right. ever, right. And, and and I have never seen human understanding people always say like oh what do they know they're, they're in a convent they don't know it no 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 no. they understand the human person better than anyone because they're close to god and to your point he probably could help an exorcist because he was so close to god
2: well as you mentioned earlier you know holiness is it should be the ordinary state of us so if, when people are holy they have wisdom and, you know, they have wisdom. It doesn't matter if they're simple, if they're a missionary of charity, if they're a scholar. That's it's holiness is a whole separate thing. It's a deeper wisdom than that. And so to your point, I mean, the people could have been the simplest people, like the curie of ours. He was not, you know, he struggled with school, right? He struggled with his studies, and yet, you know, Satan said to him, he battled Satan as well, right? And Satan said to the Curie of ours, if there were a handful of you, my kingdom would my reign would be over. That's what Satan told the curie of ours all i all if there were like 10 of you i forget what the number was my reign would be over so the point is holiness is what matters satan knows that it's not it's not degrees or or great accomplishments or anything it's holiness and and that's the thing that scares satan the most is holiness let's talk about
0: the saints for a second okay we're americans Anthony Ryan joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, Joe Racinello, we're discussing a recent release from Ignatius Press. Padre Pio, Stories and Memories of My Mentor and Friend, the book's author, his father, Gabriel Amorth. So many people out there, Anthony Ryan, um, everybody's looking for political messiahs. In other words, I think that's, that's part of our problem. Now, we're political. We're, we as Catholics need to engage in the political process, in the culture war, all of it. But talk about the need to recognize that the only thing that's truly let's take America for example because America right now I don't think how anybody can honestly say we're in very good shape morally speaking. Okay, um, when are we gonna? When are people gonna get it through their heads? that all the political messiahs lined up are not going to be able to change this country and to recognize that when God does decide to act, it probably will be through these very saints that we are talking about. My larger point, Anthony, I'd love for you to comment on, remind our audience at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network the need to rely on God and pray, and wait on his action, if we really do care about changing our culture and our society.
2: Yeah, you know, you know, absolutely. The saints are the ones that change the world, as we're talking about. As, as Satan told the Kerry of ours, you know, a handful of saints change the world. You know, a political leader, if they're a man of virtue I and mean, a man of faith, like my favorite president, Ronald Reagan, of course they can make a huge impact. But it's not because they're just a good political leader. It's because they have a deep sense of goodness and virtue and faith. So we need leaders in the political, business worlds, in every other place that are men of faith. But as you say, it's really the saints and anyone who's becoming a saint that changes the world. So we're all called to be saints. That's that's what we're supposed to be. We're not. We can be a great whatever. That's fine. You want to be a great businessman, great athlete, whatever. That's fine. Do it for God. That's all. Just do it for God and make an impact. But we need to we need to have saints. And I've always said. The United States will be as good as the Catholic Church. Let's just be frank here. The Catholic Church has been weak for the last 50 or 60 years in this country. Let's just be honest about it. And because of that, I think the United States is weak. Now, if the Catholic Church starts to get strong again in virtue and holiness and so forth, I think the country gets stronger. To me, that's how it works in the real world. And I don't want to give too much credit to any of us because we're Catholics. No, it's the Church of Christ. And it's as strong as that is, then the rest of the uh, surroundings will be strong. But because the church of Christ in this country has not been so strong for 50 or 60 years, the country has is, is not been strong. So that's what we need to do, to your point, is to develop saints in the church, and then the country will be stronger.
1: Oh, George I Sinello. agree with you. I agree with you 100%. And you know, I've thought about this too. How easy it is to follow what God teaches us. I break it down into three things. Pray the rosary every day. Go to confession regularly, something Padre Pio recommended once a month. That's what he said. Receive the Eucharist in the state of grace. Do you imagine if every Catholic in America did those three things? Three simple things that take such a small amount of time, this country would change tomorrow. Tomorrow. How easy is that? Yeah, I don't right, right. have time. Oh, I don't have time. You don't have time? It takes 15 minutes to pray the rosary every day. Right. You don't have time to go to confession? It takes 10 minutes unless you killed somebody. Then it's an hour. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I mean, like yeah. let's, I mean, it's that simple.
2: Yeah, yeah. God doesn't really ask that much of us. You know, I mean, uh, it's uh you're right. It's, it's 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 really is not asking that much for us to become what we're supposed to become. And uh, you know, you talk about the rosary, let's talk about Padre Pio. Uh, you know, he prayed the rosary incessantly. He prays it throughout his whole day. He would pray sometimes um, five full 15 decade rosaries in a day. Think about that. That's like five, five, Father Amor said, that's like five hours of praying the rosary while he was doing everything else. Well, why did he do that? Because he knew that the rosary is what he called his spiritual weapon. The rosary is a very powerful prayer. That's why when Mary appears anywhere, she asks us to pray the rosary, like to your point. And she doesn't say you have to say, 15 decades a day you can that'd be great but just say at least five a day you can do five and if we just did that to your point and did the sacraments uh you know we would change ourselves and we would change the world but padre Pio, you know five hours of the rosary every day his spiritual weapon to me that is so powerful to follow that example we have time to at least pray one rosary (laughs) oh i agree (laughs)
0: You know, what's funny is that Joe Racinello is mentioning here at the front line with Joe and Joe, how like, in other words, if we did these things as Catholics, okay, things would change tomorrow. I I couldn't agree with him more, but you know what, we're in the situation here, Anthony Ryan joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe. People say, well, wait, 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 wait for two years from now. Wait till four years from now. It's a bad, and I say this not in a judgmental way. We as Catholics need to wake up in this country. If you want things to change tomorrow. Right. Do these things. Listen to the church, and right. I think I agree with you. Um, I think one of I think many people are have left the Catholic Church because they think the church is too authoritarian. I think many people left the Catholic Church because they feel like the church is not convicted enough. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, yeah, particularly absolutely. In America. A lot of
2: a lot of them became Protestants because they didn't find the church to be uh, strong enough. They didn't try to find the church to be demanding enough. They didn't find the church to be inspiring enough. They didn't find the church to be communal communal enough to have community. And people thirst for that. So they went off and become Protestants. You know, I can't blame them because it's not all their fault. They're they're right. The local church might have been not very good. And they found the local Protestant church to have many more good things going on. I see that sometimes here in Napa Valley where there's some Protestant churches that we actually work with that are very, uh, fired up. They're very zealous, right? And I, I love these people. and We work together in the pro-life uh, battle. Uh, I could see how that would be appealing if some Catholics come from a church to where there's not much inspiration and there's not much conviction. Uh, and so again, it's back to how strong is the church? That's how strong this country will be. And we are the church. So it's you and me. I'm not talking about the bishop. I'm not talking about just the priests. talking about you and me. We need to make the change in our own lives, and then we can impact those that are around us. Oh, I'm going to hand agree. this
0: over to Joe Resinello, but I would I would say, Anthony Ryan, I would say that that's spot on. Why should any, if I am known as a Catholic man in any, whether I'm at work or amongst new friends, I now live in Scottsdale, so I'm making friends and stuff like that. If I'm a Catholic man, how could I expect anybody to want to come into the church if they look at my life
2: and I'm living like a functional atheist? Can I tell you a story, quick story about pioneer? Please tell a story. In the book, just on this topic. So, uh, Father Amor says he met a young guy who, uh, decided that he was going to change and convert and really become a serious Catholic and uh, be a good witness wherever he went. And one of the things he would do is he would always make the sign of the cross wherever he, whenever he went by a Catholic church, didn't matter who he was with, where he was now. And he was a young guy. So to him, that was kind of a big deal. He would always make the sign of the cross very clearly when he was going by a church. So one day he's with his buddies, young guys, and they're all, you know, typical young guys are walking by a Catholic church. And the kid has this dilemma, oh, gee, should I make the sign of the cross or not? Well, by the time he decides whether he's going to or not, they're already past the church, and he hears a voice in his ear, very loud, coward, and it's the voice of Padre Pio. <laughs> he had become a spiritual son of Padre Pio, not a real serious one yet, but I think his mother made him one or something. So when he went to San Giovanni Rotondo, <laughs> and he said, uh, Padre uh, I think I heard, you was that your voice you heard? He says, yeah, that was my voice you heard. And next time you're going to get a slap. <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord
1: that would scare the heck out of me I'll tell you that
0: <laughs> yeah I wouldn't want to get slapped by Padre Pio uh, especially since you know there are there are stories out there that, that we've heard about him but Anthony Ryan's joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe and we're discussing a recent publication by Ignatius press uh, Padre Pio stories and memories of my mentor and friend written by father Gabriel Moore. Anthony Ryan himself is the marketing and sales director of Ignatius press so uh, Joe Rasinello, where do you want to where do you want to go
1: well let's talk about confession because when you talk about Padre Pio, obviously you got to talk about the confessional, the man lived in the confessional. And it's funny. I went to confession yesterday. We're approaching Easter with my wife, uh, with three of my kids. And uh, it's funny. I confessed it in confession. I was complaining because there's one priest and the line was long. And I was, you know, and I said, you know, I got three kids and it wasn't exactly a pleasant way, <laughs> you know, and they're young. But my point is, uh, we have to bring confession back Padre Pio and the saints show us the way you see we got to look at the saints look what he did he was in the confessional we need to go to confession as a people talk about what he did in the confessional and also how should basically the church of 2022 translate that message from this great saint
2: yeah absolutely I mean I think the church should make confession appealing it should be something that's appealing to people here you get a chance to go in unburden yourself of your all of your sins and mistakes have God forgive them and start anew who doesn't want that it's such a gift uh, I just think we've you know people just don't under- appreciate the gift that it is and it should not be hard to do it should be it should be something we look forward to doing. So for Padre Pio, that, you know, when you read his life, obviously that was the core of his life was the confessional. He would spend some days up to 16 hours in the confessional. So that's where he did his greatest work. I mean, yeah, he performed miracles and he bilocated and all that, and that's all important. But by his own words, his life really was the confessional. And he would accomplish great miracles in the confessional with people's souls and, and conversions. And then some people, and he could, read, he could read souls when he had to. He had the gift of reading souls. So he would actually know when people were not truly repentant and they were not confessing all their sins. And, and sometimes he would refuse absolution, as the book talks about, for their greater good, not to be mean, but for their greater good. So confession was everything to Padre Pio, to help people um, amend their lives and, and become holy, as we were talking about. And so it should be the same for all of us, and should be the same for our parish priest. You know, make confession available. Come on, make it available. that's the problem in a lot of parishes; it's not very available. You know, you go between, you know, three thirty and four fifteen on a Saturday or something. It's crazy. I, and my priest he makes it available um, every day, and then and then he's always available. I'll hear your confession. That's the way it should be for priests. That's the way it was for Padre Pio. I mean, confession was everything for him. So I agree with you. The confession is the key for all of us to kind of growing in holiness.
0: That and the- you know, oh, Joe, I please. A good, I had a, I heard a good priest say that when you see the Roman collar, he he, he gave you an example. You know, like um, when you're when you're traveling and you're in a hotel and you put the sign on the door. It says "Do not disturb." He says when you see a priest, it ought the, the message ought to be when you see the Roman collar, it means please do disturb. You know, like I, I, I love that message. I, and ahead. again, I I heard someone else who's uh, pretty widely known in the Catholic blogosphere out here say you want to. you're coming into the catholic church you're thinking about it the parish you choose is the one who has confession uh, or look at the confession schedule yeah. and by the way just to put a final point on it and then i'm going to hand it back to joe um Remember, because there's a lot of tension right now, unfortunately, between those who attend traditional Latin Mass, those who uh, attend Novus Ordo. I'll tell you this: the parish that that uh, Joe is in in Linher uh, in in New Jersey, okay, before I moved, they had that was Novus Ordo. They had they had confession before every mass and into the mass. And I go to Latin Mass down here now at the FSSP um, in Phoenix, and they have confessions. You know, all day, like, like before mass and everything else. My point is, those are the parishes that we have to look to. Because if you're emphasizing, everything is always emphasizing Christ's mercy, Anthony Ryan, okay, but we have to send the message out there, we need to avail ourselves of that mercy and not be afraid to go and give our sins to Christ. Yeah, well, good point.
2: Yeah, and uh, that's how you do it through the confession, and and uh, whether it's a Latin Latin parish or Novus Ordo parish, it, it shouldn't really matter, as you mm-hmm. say. Any good priest should make confession the core of his life, just like Padre Pio did, just like the Curie of ours. I mean, and I, I, we know holy priests that do that, right? I know holy priests. Our pastor does that. He does that? He'll hear your will hear your confession in the parking lot. Okay, you're walking and uh, you're in a hurry. He'll just say, yeah, "Let's hear it right here." And that's the way it should be with a priest. Please do disturb me. That's why I'm here.
1: You know, I want to talk about this aspect of Padre Pio because you mentioned it. It triggered it in my head how he loved to go to the confessional. Um, Padre Pio couldn't say a mass publicly for 10 years. And the thing I, 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 honestly, of all the things about him that I admire most about him (laughs) is he under obedience accepted it and he was innocent. You see, that's a man who trusts in God. You see people don't do that. I need my vindication now. No, yeah. no, no. He said, fine. And in 10 years, God answered him. And a nun told me that once, a very holy nun, when, when uh, John Carapi, Father John Carapi, got into trouble. And I was talking to her about it. And she said, he should not open his mouth because God will defend him. Talk about that aspect of John of Padre Pio, because to be honest with you, we don't see that.
2: In, well, that's in- brought that's actually, actually brought out in this book quite well by Amorth. Uh, Amorth uh, does not criticize uh, too much the church authorities. I mean, he's somewhat critical, but he he does say that you know Padre Pio was a son of the church, so he was very obedient. He he would never criticize the authorities himself. Padre Pio he was very obedient. And Amor said for all the unjust punishment that he took from the church, and he took it repeatedly. Oh, my gosh. I mean, this, this little book alone points it out, how, how much he was unjustly punished. He never complained. He accepted it. He said, the will of God, I obey. I'm, I'm an obedient son of the church. And, and, and amidst all of that, uh, Amor said he had a spirit of serenity. He wasn't anxious. He wasn't uptight. He was not angry he was obedient and he, so the will of god he found in obedience to the church that should be the, that should be true for all of us uh, to legitimate authority in the church and that's what padre pio was and he took severe uh, uh unjust punishment from the church but again always obedient never saying that he was right never never taking down the church never he never did that
0: that's something that's something to be admired in our current time, because I'll, I'll tell you what, Anthony Ryan, joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe. There's many people out there that that intellectually um, and, 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 and the things they say theologically also I agree with, but I don't agree with the continual bashing we could do that if we wanted to do we could do that all day. Okay. Um, there's enough out there to bash. In fact, I would dare say, if you go back through the history of the church and every period of time, you could, you could have a field day on some of the men who have been in the leadership. That's nothing new. And I don't see much charity in that. Um, because, because rather than to say, okay, let's flesh out these ideas. Talk about what we're talking about. We're talking about going to confession, rosary, all of it. Okay, being person, growing in personal holiness to change things. Well, that includes the church. If you if you want to change things within the church, then you ought to be. Don't complain about it. In other words, ad nauseum. All right, because that's not really going to do much. Uh, it'll you, you'll get, you'll get score a few points. But we need, to, we need to raise our consciousness to understand that by living a life of personal holiness, availing ourselves of the sacrament, doing what Padre Pio did, which is pray the rosary every day, okay, not five hours, but pray the rosary every day, that we will affect that change. But let's—I I, I wanted to make that comment, but there's a couple of things that we definitely want to get to before the end of the show, okay? Um, so— uh, people don't necessarily, I think you'll agree with this, nowadays, I mean, there's a lot of nuns, and I don't mean N-U-N-S out there, N-O-N-E-S, all right? And a lot of them, unfortunately, are Catholic, ex-Catholics, okay? Yeah. Fallen away Catholics. Mm-hmm. Um, And a lot of people do not believe in the devil, and they, quite frankly, don't believe in sin, okay? Does this book by Father Amorth flesh that out at all, that oh, yeah. reality, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. to Big try time. to make it clear to the reader?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, you can't read a life of Padre Pio uh, and not have the devil, the reality of the devil, uh, be front and center. And and this book is certainly an example of that. And, of course, Amorth being an exorcist would not miss that as well. So, yeah, I mean, Padre Pio, one of his his mission, I mean, Amorth talks about when Padre Pio was young. This is what's really intriguing. He had this vision of Christ, uh, took him out in a field, and there was this big giant, this scary-looking giant. And Christ said, I want you to go out and fight that guy. And of course, he was terrified. It was like David against Goliath, and he didn't want to do it. And Christ said, No, you go, I will be with you, and you will be victorious. But you have to go in, you have to get into the fight for me and with me. And so he did, and he was victorious. And Padre Pio said, That was me, that that helped me understand this was going to be my mission for my life is fighting Satan. And what was the point of it? To save souls. So that was his whole life, really, was in battle with Satan, spiritual battle, but also even physical battle sometimes. he would, As as you talked about earlier, he he would actually be physically beaten by Satan. He would accept all of it for the salvation of souls. That was his whole purpose in life, was helping people to get to heaven. But it was about battling Satan. And let me just tell you, one of my great favorite coaches, and you will love it, is Vince Lombardi. Now, Vince Lombardi was a daily communicator. He was voted the greatest coach of the 20th century. Why is that? well part of us because he transformed the Packers and all these victories but no the deep Vince Lombardi was a, because he was a daily communicator here's what he used to tell people when he give public speeches right now we are engaged in a battle that is far more fiercely contested than any football game it is a battle for the hearts the minds and the souls of all of us this is a battle which will test all of our stamina all of our courage and all of our strength Unless we are physically ready, mentally ready, and most of all, spiritually ready, we may not win this big one. So even someone like Lombardi understood that battle of life is about getting to heaven. And it's a much more fierce battle than a football game. I you want to blow me, Ryan, out I'm so happy.
0: You, real, real quick, Joe, I'm so happy you said that. By the way, you mentioned earlier about Jesuits, uh, Jesuit-educated uh, for the University, B- Vince yeah. Lombardi. Go ahead, yeah. Joe Racinello. We have a few minutes left.
1: I-, I saw a documentary on his life, and he was a, he was the altar boy every morning. And one yeah. of his football players was in church. And he's like, this guy does everything. I walk <laughs> into the church, and he's like the altar boy for the priest right. in Green right.
2: Bay. Right. Well, and he used to read himself to sleep at night with uh, Thomas Aquinas in the original Latin when he was a head coach for the Packers. One guy said that alone and put him out of the ordinary coaches are
0: concerned <laughs> you no know, what's funny as jerry eisenberg who wrote for years for the uh, star ledger um he said he said of vince lombardi when he gave a great uh he, he had given a particularly notable speech i think it was before the um the the uh, game against the the dallas cowboys the uh the ice bowl the ice and bowl. jerry eisenberg said he goes and vince lombardi got up there he didn't talk about football he gave these guys a speech on love Christian love. Now, Jerry Eisenberg's a Jew, and he's saying, Christian love. He goes, and those guys went out and they won the game. He goes, but that's the way Lombardi was. He preached the gospel message.
2: Well, you know, I could talk, we could all show on Lombardi. I mean, Lombardi, uh, what Bart Starr said about Lombardi was, sure, he was a great football coach, but what he was even better was a teacher about life. So he taught us about life. He taught us about love. He used the word love a lot. And he molded us as a family. And along the way, we became a great football team. But he said, what Lombardi did is he molded us as persons. And then we learned to become great football players. So, you know, and how, why is that? Because he was a devout Catholic. That's why.
0: That's right. That's you know, right. Joe Rossinello. How
2: much we have about,
0: about we, we, we have about, th- about three minutes or so, Joe?
1: The devil is real. And, and I say that because people could hear the three of us on the radio driving down some highway in Connecticut and be like, these three guys are crazy. The devil is real and evil is real. And I believe, and I'd like your comments on it, the devil attacked Padre Peel because he was a force of nature because he allowed God to work through his life. Um, that humbles me sometimes because the devil doesn't attack me. Sometimes when I think I'm doing so good, he doesn't attack me because he's not afraid of me. I have a long way to go. He was afraid of him. Talk about that in a sense, because he really allowed God to work through his life. And as a result, the devil's like, I got to put a stop to this man.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean all of what you said is true, but even Padre Pio would say, and Amorth mentioned his book, that we're all, the devil battles all of us. We don't necessarily do physical battles like he did, but the devil works on all of us, tempting us to sin, tempting us to do evil, and tempting us not to believe he exists, like you said. So the devil is at war with all of us. It's like Lombardi said. We don't have the kind of encounters that are so dramatic like Padre Pio or even Amorth, but you know, you think about all the temptations you face in a day. That's Satan is behind those, of course. He's the father of lies. And so we we do encounter Satan in our own lives, whether we realize it or not. But as you say, a lot of people will not uh, admit that he's real. But, uh, you know, again, if you go back to Scripture, there's no doubt that Christ talks about Satan being real, and he himself battled Satan. Uh, he did actually, you know, he, he uh, delivered people from possession, all that. So Satan is real, and the saints have taught it, the church has taught it. And we, we better believe it, otherwise our souls are at stake. But we all do face battles with the devil every day.
0: Sounds like a a, a quick statement. Uh, Anthony Ryan joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe, but it's a good place to sum up. One of the most famous uh, quotes from Padre Pio was, "Pray, hope, and don't worry." In about a minute, try to sum up what he meant by that. Just beyond the, the, oh, the yeah. Couple well, words. yeah, yeah. I mean
2: that's kind of the that's kind of the core of the spiritual life, isn't it? I mean that's you know it's pray hope and then don't worry that means that you pray hard and then you tr- uh, this whole aspect of trust do we really believe pray do we really believe that God's going to take care of us and that's what Padre Pio is saying so then don't worry show that you trust in God by not worrying if you trust in God then you're not supposed to worry right and, and of course I have to correct myself all the time of do I really believe in, in God then why am I worrying about this why am I anxious Teresa of Lisieux was great in that. I love to go back to her because her her little way was all about trust, right? Love, humility, and trust. Those were the three cores of her little way. Love, humility. Same as Padre Pio. Love, humility. If that we could just work on love, humility, and trust, we could become great saints like Teresa of Lisieux.
0: Anthony Ryan that's a great place to end it one more time Anthony Ryan the title of the book is Padre Pio stories and memories of my mentor and friend the author is Father Gabriel Amorth which uh, this was recently translated from Italian into English and recently released Anthony Ryan where could folks uh, find the book and support Ignatius Press
2: thank you again local Catholic bookstore if you have one ask them to bring it in if they don't have it if you don't have one come to our website Ignatius.com very simple Ignatius I-G-N-A-T-I-U-S Dot com or our 800 number 800-651-1531 those are the best ways to get our books and uh, we appreciate your coming we have other books and films on padre pio as well let me just mention we have a great movie on him by uh, starring surgeon Castellito, padre pio a miracle man and i recommend that film it's so great And then we have a book called padre pio under investigation the secret vatican files which uh, a lot about the investigations they did on padre pio which is great but we got a lot of other stuff. But the one today is really great book that we're talking about by Amor.
0: Anthony, Ryan, thank you so much. This conversation has been inspirational and educational, a lot of information out there. So we really appreciate you coming on the show. You're welcome on the front line with Joe and Joe anytime, our friends. Thank you very much. Well, it's a privilege to be here. I'd love to come back sometime. You're welcome, Anthony Ryan. And thank you all out there for joining us on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial. Spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. Please be be sure to download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app so that you can have access to all of our station's content. And please support Joe and I wherever you find us on social media, The Frontline TV, The Frontline TV on YouTube, and our website, thefrontlinetv.com, thefrontlinetv.com. And remember, until the next time that our conversation is your conversation and that conversation is going on everywhere, we'll talk to you soon.